Um, I hope that you were here uh, last week as we talked some about the incredible miracles that uh, God has done and continues to do and will do as we trust in Him and place our faith completely in Him. Throughout, throughout the rest of uh, the month of January, we'll be talking more about who God is, about His power, His dominion, uh, and His faithfulness. And I hope that you'll join us each week as we uh, are challenged together from God's Word. Uh, let me begin by just leading us in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly God, I thank you and I praise you once again for the precious gift of your word and for opportunity to open it together as your church family, to learn together, to be led by your spirit in the ways of your word, in your truth. Help us, Lord, to recognize, to begin to see what a great and a mighty, a powerful God you are. And Lord, help us as your church to trust in you, to stand for you, to follow you, to be faithful to you. For you are a great God. Thank you, Lord. Lead us now through your word. May I speak your words, not mine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll give you a, uh, a few moments to, uh, to turn with me to, uh, to the book of Daniel. I will be looking at Daniel chapter 3 today, and uh, I want to challenge you uh, start reading some uh, through the first part of the book of Daniel because we'll be covering a few chapters over the next uh, few weeks. We're looking at Daniel chapter 3 today. We'll be looking at Daniel's chapter 4 and 5 uh, next Sunday and uh, Daniel chapter 6 uh, the following week. And so uh, go ahead and be reading up on some of these uh, familiar stories from uh, this great little book of Daniel. But I'll give you a few moments to, uh, to turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 3 and... Um, uh, I'll challenge you to keep that open because we'll be looking through uh, all of the verses, a few verses at a time uh, throughout Daniel chapter 3 as we look at uh, this great story. Now, you, um, you may be familiar with uh, the news over the last uh, year or so of a movement in America to uh, remove any of the, the statues of Confederate soldiers that uh, have been there uh, since uh, many of them just after uh, the Civil War. Uh, first, actually, that started with kind of a, a cry on, on social media to um, remove a TV show uh, from, from showing on television. It had been in rerun state for, for many years. But uh, the TV show, The Dukes of Hazard, that famously uh, had the Confederate flag on top of uh, the car of the General Lee. And uh, then it seemed uh, the movement... Um, it, it moved to people starting to vandalize and destroy statues and gravestones and other things across the country of uh, these Confederate uh, soldiers. And there have been calls uh, even now in America to uh, destroy things uh, like the Jefferson Memorial, the Washington Monument, and other things uh, because these men in the past uh, were once slave owners. Now, you may have recognized, if you're on social media uh, much at all, uh, a constant call for uh, social justice. Now, social justice is something which the Bible speaks a lot about, about standing for uh, what is right and standing for what God says is true. But what it is, uh, it has uh, become almost, I guess you'd say, social justice on steroids, I guess. And people are... Um, uh, they're given the name social justice warriors, and it's people who uh, have been given this name because they stand against 
well, almost everything. Um, and people are often offended uh, today, often with little facts or consideration. It's almost like they jump on a bandwagon of fire and fury focused on the arguments rather than the difference that is actually needed. And yet, social change is indeed needed in, in America and Australia. I mean, we have millions, not just a few, we have millions of babies who are aborted every year, never given the chance at life. We have almost 50% of all marriages in Western cultures end in divorce. Alcoholism and drug abuse is at an all-time high. I don't know if you recognize, but domestic violence is more prevalent in our part of the Central Coast than in most parts of our entire country. With almost four out of five of, of every one of the police calls going out for domestic violence. We seem to care and to stand up and to shout about all the, the things and yet miss what really seems to matter. The things God says is important and really stand and trust in God to bring change and God to transform. We try to fix it on our own and make stands on our own. Some of these things can be good and right if they're in the right place. But we have to recognize that tearing down or destroying uh, gravestones and monuments doesn't change the past. We cannot erase what has happened. I mean, China tried to do that, didn't they? With Tiananmen Square. And still to this day, people can be arrested and, and, and tortured for even talking about it uh, there in, uh, in China. They, they've tried to erase it from their history books America and other nations have tried to do the same thing to try to alter what has really happened and just teach an alternate view of that in our schools or uh, in, in society. But we, we cannot change what has happened. We cannot erase that past, but we must know it and we must acknowledge it and we must learn from it. But what we can, we, we actually can make changes and we can guide our marriages, we can guide our families, we can guide our community, we can guide our nation back to what God says is right. And what we want to do is begin looking at Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 to 15, about three men who decided to try to do just that. Who tried to stand for what God says is right and guide a nation toward God. Let me begin reading Daniel chapter 3, beginning verse 1. It says this, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and 60 cubits wide, and he set it up on a plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned all the satraps, the, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the other uh, provincial officials to come in, uh, to the dedication of the image that he'd set up. And so all of these uh, leaders... All of the provincial uh, officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. And then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you're commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn and the flute and the zither and the, the lyre, uh, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of the gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. 
And whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a flaming, uh, into a blazing furnace. Sorry, into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as you hear the sound of all of this music, all of the nations of, uh, sorry, all the nations and all the people of every language fell down and they worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But at the time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And whoever does not fall down and worship must be thrown into the blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you set up. So furious with rage, King Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I've set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, and all these other kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image, I made very good. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? The mighty king here of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, had set up this mighty image. In fact, historians believe that the image was of himself. A mighty image to be worshipped instead of any other gods. There were many nations represented, many other gods represented, and King Nebuchadnezzar said, No, I want people to bow to the image that I have made. And any who choose not to will be killed immediately, be thrown into this fiery furnace. Now, we live in a little different day today. If the Prime Minister of Australia said, Right, I've made this huge golden statue of myself. And no matter what religion you're from, from now on, if you don't bow down and worship the golden statue of me, then you're going to be killed. Then we go, yeah, right. We have rights. You can't do that. We have freedom of religion. We can worship the God whom we choose. We can choose not to worship a God. If we choose not to, you have no right to say this. No one questioned King Nebuchadnezzar like that. Because what happened in King Nebuchadnezzar's day is if you questioned the king... You died. You, ki- you were killed. Because to question the king was like standing before a god. What he said happened. Or you died. And yet these three young Jewish men who were believed to be only teenagers or, or young adults refused to worship any of this false god, this false image. Now they were leaders. He had trusted them and put them over part of the province of Babylon. They knew the rules. They were ones that were, were told the rules to share to the other people. And yet, when all the other people bowed, they stood. These three, you see, they knew King Nebuchadnezzar. They knew the power that he had. He was revered all around uh, the region. He was feared all around the region. But these three knew something that Nebuchadnezzar didn't. They knew the power of God that they served. They knew that sometimes we are called to stand 
and to trust Him, even when no one else will stand. We are called to do what we feel is right, even when no one else will stand. I remember back in 2003, I was a pastor uh, in the, the hills of Kentucky there, and, and I remember uh, hearing about a state Supreme Court justice uh, in a state um, a little south of where I was. And the movement that was happening at the time was to remove the Ten Commandments from uh, any schools, any courtrooms, and any government buildings. Now, a little different from uh, some places in Australia, but many schools still had posted on their walls the Ten Commandments. Uh, many, uh, in fact, every courtroom I knew of, uh, kind of county, district, state, federal courtrooms, had the Ten Commandments posted there uh, as a guide for God's law, which guides our laws as a nation. And uh, many federal, state and federal buildings in their uh, House of Congress or House of Parliament, so to speak, uh, would have the Ten Commandments posted there and would begin uh, each session in prayer. There was a movement back in 2003 to, to remove all of this, and to remove God finally from, from any of the schools, uh, as they'd removed Scripture from the schools years ago, and to remove God or, or any semblance of God from uh, the, the courtrooms and the, uh, the, the houses of Congress. In the state of Alabama, it started and then it spread around the world, or around the country. And I remember a Supreme Court justice there in Alabama had stood against this and said, uh, if we turn away from God's laws and don't have that as a guide for our laws as a country, uh, we will quickly fall. And I remember we took uh, a busload of people from our church down to Alabama to support him, and there were thousands of Christians who stood to say that America had made a mistake when they decided to take Scripture out of the classrooms. And it would be a big mistake to remove any of the, the laws of God as a, a guide for us and the prayers to God uh, from our courtroom and the places of Congress. We are called sometimes as a people of God to, to go to Him and to follow Him even when no one else will. To follow Him in all that we do and to try to allow Him to be our guide, God's Word to be what guides us as a people, as a nation, in our marriages, in our family. We need to seek to, to lead people back to God's Word, not away from it. This justice stood against all his other justices and, um, and against uh, most of the other government leaders. And sometimes standing for God doesn't put us in the majority. It doesn't put us in the popular seat. In fact, it puts us kind of going against the flow. Sometimes we are called to follow God's ways uh, even when it doesn't make sense to others or even when it doesn't uh, seem like the popular thing to do. I've seen so many Christians who talk and who sing about what is right. And they sing about God's power and strength and how God can change a people. God can change and heal our land. And yet they fail to trust in the power of God when it's needed to bring about that change. We need to boldly stand even if we have to stand on our own. Look with me in uh, Daniel chapter 3 verses 16 to 18, and what happened next. And so, remember they just said, King Nebuchadnezzar said, hey, I'll give you the second chance to follow. 
And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say this. Verse 16 says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. The king had repeated his order to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now this is something which is not done very often from King Nebuchadnezzar. If he said it and they knew it, they were meant to do it. He could have thrown them straight into uh, the fiery furnace as he promised he would. But he gives them this chance and he says, Look, is it true that you didn't bow down when you heard the music as I said you were supposed to do? Now, when I play the music, or when the music is played, bow down to the image that I've created. But if you refuse to do that, if you still want to serve the God that you say is real, then surely you will die. And no one can save you from my hand. This is a powerful, powerful king. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these young youths, these young guys, stand before one of the most powerful kings in the world at the time. And they say, we don't have to respond to you with this. Because even if we're thrown into the fire, our God is strong enough to save us from the fire. And our God is strong enough to save us from you. Now, the king was probably okay with them going, our God can save us from the fire, because he's probably going, yeah, okay. No one's going to save you from the fire. You're thrown in the fire, you're cooked, you're gone. But he would have been a bit upset probably when they questioned his power and his authority. And they said, not only is our God able to save us from the, fi- from the fire, our God is able to deliver us from you. You have no power over our great God. Even if we're thrown in the fire, our God is able to save us from that, and He's able to save us from you. Now, are these just three rebellious teenagers or three rebellious youth? Are they mad? Are they just crazy? No. They were men of God who knew that God was stronger than any king. They knew that they could boldly trust in God's strength. You see, God reminds us the same back in the Old Testament. In Second Chronicles 7, 14, there's a great verse that says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. I am able to bring about change. I am able to bring about forgiveness and lift you back up and put you back on the right path. As you turn to me, I am that God. I am the strong one. Turn to me. Trust in me. I have witnessed marriages when the family says that there's no hope, but they turn to God and decide to follow in His ways. And God transforms them and changes them and heals them. I've seen lives that seemed hopeless, transformed by the power of God as they decided to leave their ways and follow Him. We serve a a miraculous God, a miracle-working God, a strong God. I've seen court decisions and government decisions overturned as people stood and followed God. 
and says that His ways and His word are to be our God. I remember uh, some friends of mine from the Nuba Mountains in Sudan who were being heavily persecuted because of their Christian faith uh, in a militant Islamic government. And the government had made a declaration that they were going to wipe out all of the Christian communities uh, from Sudan. And uh, they had started aerial raids and were simply dropping bombs on the communities, destroying hospitals, destroying, killing women, uh, men, children. So they wipe out the communities. And I remember some of these uh, men and women telling me a story of how they, they heard um, some of the military jets coming. And they simply started praying that God would protect as they just walked into a village predominantly filled with women and children. And they saw the plane coming. And the plane started to, uh, um, it seemed it was, was starting to prepare its time where it would uh, drop its weapon onto the people. And as the people prayed, they said, God, if, you were, if we were to be wiped out right now for trusting in you, and so be it. But if you want to continue to give us a chance to share the hope that we have in you with other people in Sudan, then spare us somehow. And all of a sudden, the plane fell out of the sky. The plane had some sort of malfunction and went down and crashed. Not only that, but as they went, they went to rescue the pilot who had ejected from the plane, or the pilots and ejected, ejected from the plane. They went, the people who were about to be killed by these guys, went to rescue them and to, to save them and to, to, to seek to heal them. And as they met these guys, uh, these guys both accepted Christ as their Savior and uh, joined the, the fight uh, to protect Christians in the land. We serve a, a powerful God who's able to step in. And that's what happened to our, our friends here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God steps in and does the miraculous. He, does, he shows his power and his strength. We find this here in Daniel chapter 3, verse 19 to 27. Let me read this quickly. It says, Then when they said, when they just said, Oh, our God can deliver us from the fire and he can deliver us from you, King Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It says in verse 19, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and their other clothes, were bound and were thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King, then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement, and he asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up, thrown into the fire? And they replied, well, certainly, King. He said, look, because I see four men walking around, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and he shouted out, 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the royal advisors crowded around them. And they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was not even the smell of fire on them. Now, this is amazing. Because King Nebuchadnezzar is raging in fury, and he he has these guys tied up. I think it's interesting. You've got these three youths, these three young guys, who are unarmed. They're they're not um, soldiers in any way. They're not trying to fight in any way. They're just kind of saying, King, we're not going to follow you. We're going to keep following our God. The king himself said he orders his strongest soldiers to tie them up and to throw them into the fire. The furnace to be heated more than it was normally heated. And it was so hot, it says, that the soldiers who were throwing them into the fire were killed by the heat. And as they're tied up and thrown in, the king is immediately shocked at what he sees. Because he doesn't see three men tied up or, or, or screaming. He doesn't hear uh, the, the difference the fire has made for them. He sees four men loose walking around in the middle of the fire. A fire that was so hot that it killed his strongest soldiers. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were out walking around in the fire. And God was with them. Verse 24 and 25. King Nebuchadnezzar saying, Look, didn't we tie three men up and throw them in? Because I see four men loose and walking around. And the fourth looks like the Son of God. God completely saved them and delivered them from the fire. King Nebuchadnezzar comes up as close as he can to the fire and says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out. Come out, you servants of the Most High God. And as they come out, as they come out, it is apparent to everyone who gathered around, you can imagine the crowd gathering around them, that the fire had not touched them. Not only had it not hurt their bodies it hadn't even bothered their clothes not a hair on their head had been singed they didn't even smell like smoke now when i was younger a little confession time when i was younger my mom was worried about me because i used to love playing with fire she would often catch me uh, burning something like i would burn a piece of paper and maybe throw it in the kitchen sink or whatever and uh, just watch it burn out. I remember, um, and I'm, I'll, maybe I should say, don't try any of this at home. Okay? It's not, not wise to uh, try playing with fire. But I used to love the smell of fire. I used to love the sight of fire. I used to love the power of fire and seeing that spread. Lucky I didn't take it any further. No, I didn't, there was no damage caused by anything. Um, other than myself, I burnt my finger a few times. Uh, I used to play with, I don't know how many cars come with lighters now. I used to play with the lighter in the car. They used to all have cigarette lighters that would, um, you know, you'd push it in when it's hot enough, it would pop out. And I used to find pieces of scrap paper in the car. And I would light pieces of, uh, of, of paper in the car to, to get that smell. And I'd quickly pat it out and put it out. And I'd smell it fire. And I think, that's weird, isn't it? Okay, well, that was my weird obsession when I was younger. I used to love playing with fire. And one of the things I used to like doing was my job. I don't know why they trusted me with this. As, uh, 
with the fire, but they used to trust me to, to light the fires in the house and in, in the fireplaces and the heaters around. And I remember we had an old kerosene heater, and you'd obviously put that in kerosene and uh, light that. And uh, it, you know, the heater put out was amazing. It was great. I couldn't get enough of it. I kept wanting to get closer and closer to this kerosene heater. I was mesmerized by its flames. And I remember one time bending down and, and watching these flames, and then I could smell this odd smell. And I thought, I don't know what's that. That's not the normal smell of things burning that I like. This is an awful smell. And then I kind of felt some heat. And I, it was, now I don't have that problem because I don't have any hair. But my hair was being singed by the heat. Now, I wasn't touching uh, the heat or anything. I was just getting close to the heat of this furnace, this fire. And the, being close to that heat was enough to singe my hair. Again, I don't ever suggest that. Maybe that's the reason I don't have any hair. I don't know. But I'm amazed when I look at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to go, when, when God saves, He saves completely. He doesn't do things halfway. He doesn't do things partway. He doesn't do things almost all the way. God completely saves. He is that powerful. He is that powerful. If you get even close to a fire, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get burnt. You're going to smell like smoke. You can't light a fire without smelling like the smoke. If you go to a campfire out the back of your house, you're going to smell like smoke. You just do. The fire affects us, doesn't it? But God affects us even more. God transforms us even more. When God saves, He saves completely. When they came out, not only were they loose and had been walking around in the fire, it had no effect on them. When they walked down, their clothes weren't burned. They didn't even smell like smoke. Not a hair on their head had been singed. We know very little of God's power to save because we know so little of persecution. We know so little of difficulty. We are so blessed as a nation. And while at the same time in our world today, there are Christians who are dying for their faith, there are Christians who are being persecuted for their faith, North Korea is still the most dangerous place in the world to be a Christian. You can be killed for even owning a Bible or mentioning the name of God or Jesus or any sort of religious leader. Sudan, there are whole villages of Christians still being killed, hospitals destroyed, and all because they believe in Christ and not Muhammad. China, you can still be arrested and tortured for mentioning Jesus in the schools. We are so blessed and we are so free, but I fear our day is coming. Now, I pray that we never see persecution for our faith like that. But there are times in which we are called as a people of God to stand. We in Australia are a Christian minority. The government wants us to forget God. Our community wants us to forget God. Marriage and family are centered away from God and we're called to forget God. Individuals want us to forget God and yet we as the people of God, as the church of God, are called to boldly stand and to boldly love and to boldly trust in the God, in God to change and God to save. You see, we are never meant to change the community. We are never meant to bring uh, the healing. We're never meant through our, just our, our words or even our actions to try to bring that change. We're meant to point people to God. God, God is the one who transforms. God is the one 
who can save the marriages. God is the one who can save our families. God is the one who can save our community, our nation, our world. Look with me in the, the closing verses of chapter 3, verses 28 to 30, about how God completely transforms. Verse 28 says this, Then King Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except for their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who says anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other god can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. The king, if you remember, he had just ordered anyone who bows down to who doesn't bow down to his image, anyone who refuses to bow down will be killed immediately. You, there are no other gods anymore. Just follow his image. Just worship his image. Just bow down to his image. Now, because the king has seen this miraculous salvation that only God can do, the king says, Praise be to God, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because they heard the command of the king, they decided to defy the king and say, we will do what God wants us to do. They trusted in him, and God delivered them. And the king's words are no other king, no other God, sorry, can deliver in this way. And then King Nebuchadnezzar changes his command and says, Now anyone who does not honor the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be killed. The whole nation were called to follow in God alone. Talk about transformation. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were about to be killed by the king. Now they're being promoted by the king. Now they're being honored. God is a powerful God who transforms completely, who saves completely. And we can trust in God's power to transform our lives. We often only see the situation, the confrontation, the difficulty... God sees the transformation, which is possible as we trust in Him. We often see the heartache when God sees the transformation, which is possible. We see things getting worse and have no hope. God sees the transformation that can come if He is our hope. Church, we are called to be a people who know the great power of our great God. To boldly stand, even if it means we are standing on our own. To boldly stand and to trust in His power, to stand and to see God's power save, God's power transform. We serve an amazing God, a powerful God. And I think we forget sometimes what a great God He is. We forget how powerful He is. We talk a lot about how loving He is and how gracious He is. Man, we serve a mighty God, a strong God. And there's nothing, nothing that can stand in His way. There is nothing. So he who can trust him no matter what. I want to encourage you. Learn his word. Know his word. Stand for his word. He knows what is best for our marriages. He knows what's best for our families. He knows what's best for us as a people. He knows what's best for us as a nation, as a world. We can follow his word. We can follow his ways. We can follow his guide. He is strong enough to see us through. Stand strong, church, on the word of God. Stand strong, church, in the God that we serve trust him 
He is the one who transforms. He is the one who saves as we put our trust in Him. Let's just pray. Dear Heavenly God, I thank You and I praise You. For You are a strong and mighty God. All-powerful. Omnipotent. There is nothing that is out of Your grasp. At Your Word, nations rise and nations fall. Those who are seeking to destroy us could be destroyed in an instant if you wish it. There is nothing, Lord, that is out of your hands. So, Lord, help us to know that we know that we know that you are a powerful God, a strong God, who's not only loving and gracious, but is mighty and strong and will protect your people, will share your love and grace at any cost. You will transform our, our marriages and our families, Lord, as we trust in you, there is nothing that is impossible for you. Thank you, Lord, for the way that you use your strength and your majesty to love us and to care for us, to protect us, to provide for us. Lord, I pray for our church that we learn what a great and an awesome and a mighty God you are and that we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.